This is an Age of Sigma podcast, which may contain explicit language. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 13 of Mortally Wounded. I'm your host Chris Welfare, and once again joining me is special guest host Dan Brewer. Hi. Um, this episode is just going to be a bit of a general chit-chat um, while we do some hobby, and we're going to talk about the two events that we both attended recently um, that was the subject of the last episode, which was RCGT up in Brisbane, 2,500 point tournament, and then Sydney GT um, at Moab, which was run by Anthony Magro, AOS coach, um, which, yeah, we both went to. In the last episode, we talked about what army lists and everything we were taking, but I think we'll probably do a quick run-through of our lists again um, for each event and just, yeah, have a general chat about the uh, lists. Um, but, Dan, how are you going? Should we just do a quick hobby progress? What are you working on? I am painting Plague Monks, and it is episode 13, so it seems fitting. <laughs> yeah, you're finally caving in and deciding to do Pestilence. Well, it's because the Pestilence Plague Monks boxes comes with 16 giant rats per box that I'm essentially also building a Mulder army at the same time, and then I'll have all the clans. So, kind of figured it was the only one I was missing. So it's pretty much it. I just wanted a break from my death, because it was taking too long. <laughs> from your Tomb Kings. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I am painting Dryads and Colonel Hunters for the upcoming Teams event up in Brisbane that Gabe from Runax Wargaming is running and there is a plane flying overhead so that's kind of annoying but yeah um, so yeah I'm uh, painting lots and lots and lots and lots of dryads um, for that and also Colonel Hunters with swords because they are cool um, yeah they're very cool they're much more dynamic than the bows and the sides I think um, having built them so yes that's pretty much all my hobby at the moment um, and I'm also rebasing one of my um, phoenixes from its lovely goblin green <laughs> rectangle onto a nice flagstone paving oval with moot green instead because it's more yeah. up to date version of goblin green um, yeah so I'm doing that and I have a the anointed rider and chair currently sitting outside after spraying it gold because I love gold so all my elves are going to be gold so um, yeah making use of the uh, retributor armor spray so um, that should hopefully speed up most of the work um, yeah cool so let's just crack into it RCGT um, you've been before haven't you, you went last year I, yes I did I came second last year <laughs> one of my many seconds I did not come second this year the bridesmaid yeah um, Yes, yeah, so we both knew what we were going up for, so um, yeah, we a uh, bunch of us headed up from um, Queensland, there was what, five of us staying in the house together. Um, yeah, sounds about so right. Me, you, me, you, Ash, Ben and Chris Top um, all headed up, so had a good house out in Manly, um, up near Redlands, so it was about a 15 minute drive to the venue, um, which was good cafe next door so had some breakfast in the sunshine both days which is always nice I miss Liam not being there to lose the house keys like last time I did not 
it was quite delightful not having to panic about the house keys being lost, to be honest. But Shameful shadow hammer plug, shout out to Liam. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a shame Liam didn't come, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we went up. This is the event that um, has been run. This is the third year running of it now, um, hosted by Evan, um, as he's done it each year, but also Andrew... Oldfield was helping because it's kind of a Redlands City Wargamers um, Thunderstrike Brotherhood event. Um, so that three times fast. What, Thunderstrike Brotherhood event? Thunderstrike Brotherhood event. <laughs> um, so yeah, we went up for that. So Dan, what did you end up taking for this two and a half thousand point tournament? Uh, I bought my Tomb Kings because unlike Gabe, they weren't banned at this event. <laughs> oh, um, drama. Uh, what did I take about this? I took... Um, Chris said he knocked over a glass of water. It's very yeah. dramatic. Um, silent drama. <laughs> I took a Tomb King and Exalted Chariot, so the Cetra, um, with my Tanks conversion, with a Cloak of Mist and Shadows and Red Fury that did very well. What um, does Cloak of Mist and Shadows do, Dan? It's you jump around the board the entire game. <laughs> what does it actually technically do? I don't want to talk too much about podcasts with things that I do, because last time I did that on this war game, my army got severely nerfed, so... People can just read the book. <laughs> okay. It jumps around the board. Basically, you can redeploy at the start of any combat phase, uh, including your opponents, just a 12-inch away. It's not even wholly within 12. You can just teleport away. Um, since the whole Tomb King army kind of depends on Cetra's buffs, which are only in your turn, it just keeps them safe. So it doesn't give you more offensive power, but it does help you move around for an army which has got kind of quite limited mobility without him anyway. It also increases his survivability massively because huge, you're yeah. never in an unfavourable combat. And sometimes you're forced to because everything else is dead, but um, shooting is so filtered down at the moment that that's really the only way to deal with it. If you're finding a combat army, they can't kill him generally, yeah. um, is what I've found. So if someone's got like magic heavy in combat... Even with his two ward saves, they'll still bring him down. He's only got eight wounds, he's 460 points. Quite a big investment. So, anyway, I took him. Um, what else did I take? Two units of ten legionnaires, five skeleton horsemen, just because they're fast and I like them. Um, I've converted most of my army out of newer death things combined with the old stuff to make it look a bit more modern. Um, six skeleton chariots, I think I took them. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, and you put all these sort of buffs on them, they can actually make a ridiculous number of attacks. So, um, the six Necropolis Knights, which was my next unit, um, don't have to do all the work themselves. Then I also took 15 Tomb Guard, um, six Ushabti with Great Bows, because I already had them painted, and a Lich Priest, a Necrotect, a Tomb King on foot, and a Tomb Herald. I think that was my 2,500 points. So. Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds familiar. Um, I won four games, so they did better than I anticipated they would. <laughs> so, um, I don't remember where I finished, I think it was eighth. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, kind of worked out. So. Who did you play? Um, you don't have to do a full run-through of everything, but like, just general experiences, fun times from games, trips. Like, did you play any unique armies, anything like that? Yes, I did. The first game I played was, I think, the only Destruction army that. Oh, so you played Zenith? Yeah, he was really cool. I liked him. Yeah, he's nice um, Shout out to Zenith. I played him too, so shout out. Thanks for the game. Yeah, he probably should have won, to be fair. Um, more for the fact that um, I managed to claw it back in the last turn, points-wise, to tie, and then... Um, 
we can't remember what scenario we played. What's the first one? Uh, total commitment. Total commitment. I I didn't have any tunneling, neither did he. Oh, he had a great uh, moor. What's what it called? Um, yeah, they um. Oh, what are they called? Dreadmoor. Dreadmoor. He said he never really tunnels it much anyway. But um, yeah, it's I. Yeah, I clawed that one back at the very end, and it went to kill points, and I killed most of his army. Um, it is sewn on with the strike last cloak thing. Doppelganger um, cloak. Yeah, which was killing some of my stuff. But um, yeah, the first turn he left his Maw and a Magma Dragon next to each other. And I was like, if I can roll a two up, I can kill them both right now. I could not roll a two up. <laughs> so it didn't happen. Um, so Dan's talking about Cetra's prayer that goes off on a two up and you pick a unit and you double their movement and they gain fly. I failed it in almost every game at some point. I failed it twice in that game, so I actually didn't get to get the snakes involved until the third turn. Um, and then I was just kind of fighting a bit of an uphill battle because I didn't have the mobility to get across the board. Which is the risk you take, so... Um, no, he played it quite well other than bunching his stuff quite closely to cover. But um, yeah, I feel like a, um, he just took an early lead and... I could have really done with that too. <laughs> but yeah, so that's cool. Then um, I played a Seraphon player. Uh, she was really nice. She had like a Thunderquake, Starhost, Basilodon list. And then two more Basilodons, just, you know. That's right, the four Basilodon list. Yeah, so that one, it didn't fail the two up, and I killed two of them immediately. But they um, all had laser beams, didn't they? Yes. Aww. Well, considering I only had one unit run into them, I don't think the snakes would have fared any better. But, you know, you can dream, Chris. Snakes are just better. They wouldn't have been in this one because the laser beam shooting the snakes is doing more damage than like a couple of model wounds you would have done from the snakes. But you know, whatever makes you sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, again, I can't remember the scenario because it was a while ago. But uh, ended up beating her. Um, I think that may have been focal points. Possibly. Yeah, she was really nice. So it's cool to play like two people I hadn't played before. Third game, I played Josh, who I had played before, Josh Mayer and his uh, Legions of Sacrament army, that was really cool. Um, I had a really good game with him. I always got on pretty well with him. And uh, it's the only game I didn't finish, actually. A lot of people complained about RCGT not being able to finish their games in time because it was 2.5k and they didn't permit three hours for the uh, matchups. So my first game I finished in an hour. Second one was about the time limit. That one, um, when you got to the third battle round, I think I killed a unit of um, Grimgast Reapers and then they came back. Um, and then all my stuff kept coming back. That was shifting objectives, and um, yeah, he won the second priority. I got the third, and I was just up quite a few points. And then I think it just landed in the right place for me at the end. Um, yeah, fourth game I played Ash McHugh and his each. Um, it was places of arcane power, so I knew that that wasn't going to work for me. Consequently, it didn't, um, which was fine. I'd already kind of gotten three wins, which is kind of my my aim for that one. Um, I know what I'm doing with Team Kings, I know how they work, but they are still an old Compendium army that have um, taken some nerfs, but I, I still think there's some really good strong synergy there, it just falls apart completely if you kill the heroes, uh, especially Cetra. Um, yeah, I got a lot of kill points from him, but I, I knew the, um, the scenario itself was going to run away from me, which it did. Um, yeah, and just the whole weekend I was rolling atrociously until my fifth game, which is where I played Ben, and then my dice took it out on him. 
<laughs> so uh, that was. Um, I don't remember the names of the scenarios. And when you burn it, better uh, uh, better Yeah, uh, we'd played like a game, like the week beforehand. Anyway, it was like a test game, um, and they beat him. And then we got drawn. The first match was supposed to play each other. Um, then Ben ran off and asked to change opponents. He's like, "Oh, we just played. We play all the time." Um, but I played them anyway. Um, at so, the end, it's fine. I think it's fair enough to yeah. do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just thought it was funny like, how, how quickly he ran away to be like, can I change, please? Um, I was like, okay, Ben, sure. Um, but yeah, that was it. Um, got, I think, eight. It was really cool. It was a fun event. Um, I know, like I said before, a lot of people's feedback was that the round times were a bit slow. Um, or fast rather, that people didn't have enough time to finish all of their games, which I think is a shame at a tournament, because even in the handbook, right, it says like two and a half hours for 2k, three hours for 2.5, I almost feel like winning games because you run out of time is a bit of a shit way to win, like I've won like that before, um, I've lost like that too, and you just don't know what's going to happen in the last turns unless it's really one-sided, uh, and if it's really one-sided, you've probably gone through the game quite fast, so um, I almost feel like a point. A 2k tournament should be 2 hours 45 minutes just to give you that extra bit of time to make sure that doesn't happen unless it can't, really can't be helped. Yeah. Um, and then 3.15 for a 2.5k. I mean, it was 2.5k last year and I believe the year before, yeah. was it? It was uh, 2.4 the first year. Um, yeah, it was a bit of an odd number, but it, yeah. And then, um, but the game was very early. And then, yeah, it's 2.5. It's always been 2.5 and I like it because it's 2.5. Like, it's... I like events that have a point of difference, like a point like of differentiation. Mark um, the calendar as well. Like it's different. the reason I like it's on my annual calendar because it's the two and a half point, like it's the two point five k event event Australia. that I want to go to. So um, I like it, but yeah, the round times were an issue for lots and lots of people. I think they I had took that on board. Myself, I had two games that went to two turns, which is just not a game. It, you, the results. I know when you played Josh and I read you had really gotten very far. Yeah, the results that you get from a two-turn game mean it might actually tactically make sense to like let your opponent go first because you can better absorb the first few turns of the game, they get up, but then you are able to counter-punch and win for a five-turn game. But if you only ever play two turns and you... That can't happen. You make the tactical... You say, okay, you go first because this is how, in a full game, my army should work. If you let them go first, then they're just like, okay, thanks, cool. I've got all the objectives. We've played two turns, so I've won. Um, which feels a bit rubbish, to be honest, because it's not. Yeah, I think it's not tactical. Few, it's not a game. A few people brought that up. There's some transparency issues as well, and sort of how he calculates things that he did, which I think yeah, people um, didn't quite like. Yeah, there was a few issues this year. Like, it still had like a really fun weekend. So yeah, it was really good. I, I don't want to feel like um like bashing on Evan because he still did a great job running the event. It's still like ran to time. It was really good. Um, the only thing was the feedback really was more transparency around the pack and scoring and then um, the, the round times. And the round times, to be fair, is feedback I've given him every year. Um, and I gave him the feedback last year and was pretty much because I was maybe getting three, four turns last year. And it still wasn't enough. A lot of the games are going to three turns. But Age of Sigmar recently maybe seems slow. to be going longer as well now with all the realm spells and all that happening in between turns like the game has just got longer um i find it odd because i feel like playing with death because i can actually do damage now most of my games are much faster um but <laughs> one way or the other i either get steamrolled or i 
steamroll my opponent lots of scaling there was a lot of models to move around so I actually find that I'm finishing my games quicker um, yeah but yeah it, it, there was my one piece of feedback like for this year again was time and to the point where honestly if it's not three three fifteen rounds I won't go next year um, because it as much as it was still a fun weekend and you, you obviously make it fun it it does feel a bit like you're not playing the competitive game that you've signed up for in a tournament if your games aren't coming to a logical conclusion because you haven't had enough time to complete them. So, I think what Andrew said was rather than just put all the responsibility on Evan and it all be on one person, I think they're all going to be a bit more involved yeah. next year and kind of run it as a group, which is good to hear because they can kind of um, take some of that pressure off him because I know that it's really difficult for him to kind of organise things and be in control of everything, I guess, and kind of share that load out a little bit. You can kind of implement people's feedback a bit better as well. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was still a really fun weekend. Um, I My first game was against Josh, so I played... I think we both had a very similar weekend, actually. Um, we had I, the same result. I, I yeah. played Josh. Um, we only had two turns because combat armies that hit each other and his army grows back, and then when he kills my models, they pile in an attack, and it was just we were in combat from turn one and um yeah it was just we got through two turns it was a draw on the scenario because we'd met in the middle not outnumbering and then it went down to kill points i'd managed to shoot arcan off in the first turn with my skull cannons um maybe say what you brought oh yeah i I think we covered it in the last episode (laughs) but um yeah i had my triple skull cannon skull seeker host and gore pilgrims list at two and a half k so gore pilgrims and cod so, Skullseeker Host is the thing you should focus on. Cause no, actually, no, no, I've not heard of that one. Gore that's Pilgrims. Actually, <laughs> that's actually the one that makes the army. But, um, yeah, so it's Gore Pilgrims, which everyone knows about, increasing your banner range, and the mainly the main reason is re-rollable prayers. Um, so I have two plus ones to save and one plus one to hit prayer. And then my general was a Bloodthirster of Insensate Rage with Gaia Strike for plus one to hit, plus one to wound. And then I had a Bloodstoker to give plus three to charge and reroll ones to wound. And then a allied in Nurgle Sorcerer Lord for Demonic Power Spell, which is one Chaos unit within 18. And they get to reroll hits, wounds, and saves of one. So that pretty much always goes on the Skull Cannons. Uh, the formation lets the Skull Cannons shoot in the hero phase if they're within eight of the Bloodthirster or the Bloodmaster. Um... So basically I'm pretty much getting six skull cannon shots a turn, usually hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, wounding on threes, re-rolling ones. Run two, d6 damage, 30 inch range. Pretty decent. Four minutes of Blakeflow Catapult. <laughs> so, um, but they can also be buffed and actually be pretty good in combat as well. Um, if you put the two plus one to save buffs on them, they can be twos, re-roll ones, and then two up armor save, re-rolling ones. Um, the Bloodthirster, if you put the plus one to hit prayer on him, is hitting on twos, he re-rolls hits when he charges, and then he's wounding on twos, re-rolling ones because of being whipped, and then his armour save, if you put the plus two on him, is a two-up save, and you can use the oracular Visions um, auto re-roll ones to save on a unit um, as well to make him twos re-roll ones, so pretty much I can have both him and the Skull Cannons twos re-roll ones to hit, wound, and save, pretty much. Um... And that's what the army's built around, basically. But the uh, 
the armor save buffs didn't really work against Josh because I sent him into Spiro Hosts and he was just fishing for sixes which do mortal wounds so it didn't really matter that I had a two up save rerolling ones because he was only doing damage through mortal wounds um, so they pretty quickly scratched the Bloodthirster's eyes out because he killed three because of Ethereal was one thing I was worried about going into the event because I have a low number of high quality high rend attacks so if somebody just ignores my rend like Ethereal does, Josh would just make his... I'd be like, oh, that's three saves. Each one of these does D6 damage, and he'd just pop three four-ups, and I'd be like, yeah, okay, well, you take no damage then. Um, one goes through, roll a one in the D6, so, he rolls a six. So yeah, Bloodthirster buffed up, goes in, kills three spirit hosts, and then with his Necromancer and Gravesites, he rolled three threes and brought them all back. <laughs> and, then, nice and then they uh, scratched the Bloodthirster to death. So... Um, I yeah. think of it as more of a pimp slap than a scratch. Um, so yeah, I think, to be fair, this is something where the time helped me, because in the two turns I got more kill points because I shot off Arcan on the first turn, basically. Um, so, And Josh had just killed my Bloodthirster, and I won the tie on objectives due to kill points, so I got a minor win, um, which... If that game had gone to five turns, Josh probably would have won. Yeah, I walked over because I finished my game after an hour and I was like, and then you told me later on you won. I was like, oh, it wasn't looking good for you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I think if that game had gone to five turns, I probably wouldn't have won. Um, there is obviously summoning and blood tithe and stuff that my list can do. But, oh, of course. But yeah, just the way it looked at the table. But yeah, I mean, yeah. me and Josh talked about it and we sort of just, well, obviously both just agreed and I was like, well, we know we can't get another round in and the fairest thing you can do, which is what's in my player packs for all events, is if you can't finish a round, you just count it at the end of the last fully completed battle round because that's the fairest thing you can do where both you players... You have someone having an extra turn. Both players have had an equal number of turns and that's all you can do. So, um, and yeah, Josh was like, yep, yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, it was a minor, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a minor because it got points. Yeah. So same as you. Um, so we both had minor wins. Um, and then I played... Um, oh, that's really bad now. You oh, I think Zenith. I then played Zenith, yeah. So then I played who you played. Um, and, yeah, he had double Magma Dragon, Stonehorn, Dreadmoor, um, and then 80 Grots in four units of 20. Um, and I was, <laughs> it was quite funny, as I'd been heading out to lunch, I'd walked past it and gone, oh, God, I really don't want to play that army, as I'd seen the double Magma Dragon and everything, and then found out I was playing it. So I was like, oh, no. But... In terms of playing it, it was awesome to play against. Like, he's a really nice guy. The army was really nicely painted as well. Um, like, all the basing and stuff was very detailed, even all the goblins and stuff. It was a cool army. So it was really cool. Um, yeah, we had a really fun game. That was where my skull cannons worked, because I just shot both his magma dragons. I basically did the thing where I knew I, had, I was going to get hit, no matter what, by those magma dragons, so I had to just take it on the chin. I let him go first to come into me because I knew he'd just kill whatever I gave him so I just set up lines of chaff like my blood reavers and stuff and no but put my slaughter priests quite far forward behind that line so wherever he hit me they'd be able to use blood boil so then when his magma dragons came in I used my hero phase shooting I basically shot one magma dragon off turn one and blood boiled the other one to basically kill both of them I think by the end of my second turn both of them were dead and I hadn't really taken any mortal wounds back from killing them in combat because I shot them and I used uh, blood boil. Right. So it was all ranged mortal wounds, all ranged damage from the skull cannons. Um, and then I sent the bloodthirster into the uh, stonehorn. I also 
blood boiled the stone horn down um, and then sent the bloodthirster in to kill it. Um, so, yeah, that game went well. Zenith got up in points as I knew he would, but then I killed all his monsters within two or three turns, and then I knew in basically one or two turns I could just kill 80 grots and they wouldn't do anything to me, so I just started legging my slaughter priests across to the side objective. So th three slaughter priests went together in a in a little team to go kill 20 grots and take an objective, which they did. Um, I had reavers on one side, and then my bloodthirster just cleared off the middle and then flew to his back objective, so... On the last turn, I scored all of them, um, and I think I scored all but his on my fourth turn, and he wasn't scoring any of them. He scored just his on his fourth turn, and obviously I, I tabled him on my fifth turn. So that went quite well for me. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun game. Um, and then my third game I was against Adam, but in Shifting Objectives... And that was an, my other game that went to two turns, um, unfortunately. And, yeah, that was one where, again, I got to choose. I made a huge mistake in my deployment. I made several, to be honest. I knew what I needed to do and how to deploy, and I left spaces, and then I just put stuff in the wrong place. And then I had to, because of that mistake, cover up where I put other units to protect them from just getting dropped down on, because I knew I was going to give him first turn, because, again, I was, like, over a five-turn game, it's better to let him drop in hit my screen, but be in range of all my slaughter priests and then my counter charge for my bloodthirster and everything like that. So I did that, but it obviously meant he could just drop straight onto the objective, score five points, and then because we only played two turns, he got five points, five points, and then I got no points. No, I got like 1.3 points, I think, on my second turn because I, I already was killing stuff off. In the two turns we played, I killed all 20 of his evocators on foot and one of his units of sequiturs so I was definitely killing my way through his army so I think if we'd gone the reverse of Josh I think if we'd gone five turns in that game I do actually think I probably would have been able to clean up because I only would have needed one model in range of everything and my bloodthirster would have been able to just wipe the floor with anything um, I was at the table next to you and I remember like you guys both talking and your display board was on the floor and he was walking around and I could see it coming in slow motion I was like Adam is about to step on Chris's army yeah. and I was like Sorry, and then I just heard it, and I was like watching in the slow motion almost, and I just saw like your face, his face, like the guilt on his face immediately. Nothing broke. I no, it think. was actually a miracle, to be honest. I don't know, I don't how, know how. I don't know how my army getting stood on only a skull cannon just detached itself from where it was glued down. So all I had to do was put some glue on it, and then it was fine. Literally, nothing broke, so it was fine. But yeah, um, I was a bit worried. He was more relieved than you were. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so but that was still a good game. Like Adam, do you know how hard Clint worked on my army? <laughs> Shut up! I did all the basing. Shut up. Um, but yeah, so that was um, so I got a major loss in that one. Um, so I, day one, were we both at the same point. I had no, I had three wins, and then I lost Ash on the second day. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, I got a major, I got a minor win, a major win, and then a major loss. And then on the second day, um, I played. What was the first one? Places of Arcane Power. Places of Arcane Power, yes. So I played um, two Quentin. I played Quentin with his unit of nine evocators on Dracolines, which are wizards. So when you're playing Places of Arcane Power, I was like, hmm. Um, Why are your snakes in? I don't have snakes. Yeah. But again, this is one where I... Um, Should have had snakes. Huh? I actually decided I would go first and just get onto the objectives and score them. Um, as early as possible because 
tone was on your side. <laughs> once you get, once well, I was trying to learn from the first day, going well. If we aren't going to get through turns, it's probably better for me to go first. But I always pretty much go first in that scenario anyway, because once you're on the objectives, your opponent has to fight through whatever you have and kill whatever's scoring it before they can even score. So it just makes it harder to come back. Because basically, if you can get to the third turn and your opponent hasn't taken them off you, you win. Yeah. As well, so it actually doesn't matter about time. So that was my other consideration was, well, if I just go first, if we make it to three turns and it's going well, my score should be at the point where even if we don't finish the game, we know that there's physically no way that I couldn't win. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so anyway, I went first. Um, just had to basically take the charge from the Dracoths um, and the Dracolines, sorry, and um, obviously lost my screens, but held it with the Bloodthirster. I held one with my Chaos Sorcerer Lord and then held the other with the Slaughter Priest that had the artifact. Um, and then, yeah, basically just held on and got enough points. I think I got seven. Um, we did actually finish the game. Um, got to the point where turn five, um, he actually tabled me on uh, turn five, but I'd managed to kill enough of the... We worked out, even though he'd killed my stuff, I'd managed to kill enough of the um, Dracolines that they weren't, because it's models that score, so one unit can technically still score both objectives. If That's right. Because yep. they're, every model in that unit is a wizard. You can't have it. If he strung them out. No, no, it's not. Oh, like that's a, no, they score. Yeah, they count. Yeah. Um, so he could string them out, and they've got quite big bases, so he could actually, with one unit, hold two objectives. But I managed to kill enough so that he didn't, like the unit physically wasn't large enough to be able to hold um, more than one. So yep. when he realised that, he just went, Okay, well, I can't win, so now I'm just going to go for kill points. <laughs> and he just, so he just left the objectives and just literally rolled That's over. That's pretty much what I did. Yeah, he just rolled over my I was like, I can't win this one, I'm just going to try and kill you. So yeah, he just rolled over my army and killed it. Um, killed my Bloodthirster and everything like that. And then I got to the point where I just had my Blood Secretor left, and I got to eight Blood Tithe. Uh, sorry, I had my Blood Secretor and a Blood Stoker. I got to eight Blood Tithe, summoned a Bloodthirster in my hero phase, like a new one of Incensate Rage because he'd killed it, put it down within range of my Bloodstoker so I could whip it in my hero phase, got it in on the charge and was like, okay, let's do this into his Dracolines and was like, okay, ready to do this. I've got five attacks. that I could actually kill them just for some fun and then I rolled five twos and threes. <laughs> so I didn't get a single hit and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that then. And then he just killed me and yeah tabled me on turn five but that was a really fun game and yeah i'd got enough um points in the scenario that you couldn't catch up so got the major there um and then my final game was against um michael thompson up from cairns that james had played when he went up to visit so that was really cool yeah, he was nice um, he spoke to me as like do you know james I like, yeah I, james. I think he really likes james i think he definitely likes james more than me which is very understandable I <laughs> Um, than you are. <laughs> but no, he's a really good guy. I think he's a really, really solid player um, as well. He had Legion, so he had Nagash with... Um, I think he had first cohort with four um, Archai, which is pretty terrifying, to be honest. Um, and obviously Spell Portal and Palisade. Um, and then he had ten Black Knights and... Black Knights are great, by the way. Yeah. I think they're awesome. He had 10 Black Knights. He had 40 Skeleton Warriors. He had 
two fives of dogs. He had a unit of bat swarms, which are really good, um, just in terms of being annoying and being models. And for that scenario, um, it didn't really matter, um, but it could have had a massive impact. Um, but basically, all four games, my Bloodthirster hadn't really been doing very well. Like, I hadn't rolled... I was basically, I wrote that list to fish for fives and sixes on the wound rolls, because every five or six would do an eight-inch AoE three mortal wound explosion to all enemy units within eight. And you can basically, if you just roll like two or, two or three fives, you can just kill someone pretty much on turn one, because you just kill so much of their stuff from multiple units. They just can't really take that much damage and recover from it. Like, it, on the turn I played Adam, when I got my Bloodthirster in, if I'd rolled... I rolled one five, so and I was in eight within eight of like five of his units, two of his units of sequiturs, the evocators, and then two of his characters. Um, so if I'd rolled two fives, I would have killed both his foot characters, done loads of mortal wounds, which would have killed his sequiturs and his evocators and everything. But I only rolled one five, so he'd been the bloodthirster had been underwhelming all my games, and then in my second turn against Michael, I went in with four attacks because he killed my blood secretor on his first turn. Um, but I was in range of my Crimson Crown for extras. I rolled two sixes on my hits, so I got two extra attacks, which both hit. So I was two three roll ones, so I got six hits through. And then I rolled all of the wound rolls, and all six of them were fives and sixes. So I got two sixes, and I got four fives, I think. So I ended up doing 18 mortal wounds in AoE to uh, three units. So it was like his skeleton warriors, his uh, vampire and his Black Knights, and then I also... The total damage, after like the D6 damage from the attacks and the Mortal Wounds as well, on the unit of 10 Black Knights was 40, and I'd done, yeah, massive overkill to the Vampire, killed 18, like, 18 Mortal Wounds on the Skeletons as well. It was the best I could have ever hoped for, but it was uh, all saved up until my last game, I think. But um, it... Uh, Still, after that, I that was my turn two, and then I was able to win turn three priority, which sealed the game. But I hadn't actually realised Michael sort of said, even after that happening, if he'd won the priority then, he was like, I think I could have won the game. And I was like, how? Because I'd never actually played Better Part of Valor before. So I wasn't really across the kind of, just quite the impact of the scoring mechanic and how denying your opponent the ability to score um, will, like, how much of a swing that could have. Because, yeah, that, those pesky bat swarms, I'd left two of my back objectives with no models, which is, I don't normally do, but he'd had a bat swarm just go into the middle that I didn't really want to tie up in combat. I would have laughed so much um, if he lost to a bat swarm. So he could have. He was like, well, if I got priority, that bat swarm would have taken one of your objectives, burnt it. He could have burnt his two back ones, and he was like, and I would have been able to get, he would have been able to get one of my other ones. So he was like, I don't think he would have been able to get enough points to come back from it. So... I considered burning some of his that I'd gained um, and some of mine as well on my second turn, but I was like, oh, I don't know, because I wasn't really thinking about how the scores would add up. Um, so I left it, but yeah, didn't really realise in hindsight I probably should have um, at least burnt a couple of them just to deny him the points. But anyway, I got the priority for turn three and he called it because I'd, yeah, I'd done a huge amount of damage and he was like, well, you just burn all these objectives now and you win the game. And I was like, yeah, so... Um, but no, that was a really good game. It was cool to get to chat to him, and obviously he's played James and stuff. So um, yeah, that was cool. Uh, so I ended up on. So I got two major wins. 
on the Sunday, so I ended up on three major wins and a minor win and a major loss. Yeah, same as me. And I came seventh, so I think just... You had better painting than I did. Just a bit easier. <laughs> In terms of... Um, the painting Rubik, I had some of my older Team Kings things that I didn't get painted ready in time. But, um, again, the other thing we were saying beforehand is, because um, you really selected points, and there was a couple of points below you, and he told me... I also why. made sure I brought a display board. Yeah. Um, the thing with display board and scoring for that is it's a bit... Which was um, a faff in its own, and a huge story about just getting a bag to take that display board up there, but... It's, yeah. it's a weird thing, because I feel like when Australia is a bit different and like so much larger, like, if I'm going to Brisbane, I'm not bringing a display board with me, like, I'm not... I'm just not doing that. So, um, I mean, uh, the I think the sort of the lack of transparency and sort of like we were saying earlier, people didn't really know why they scored, where they were, or sort of where they came, where they did. Um, I know why I got less than you when we were tied, but um, yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest things to take away from that. It's like it's just being open about this is why people came where they came and stuff like that would be like a really good yeah. improvement. But I still really liked it. It was a really fun weekend. I really liked it the year before. Um, yeah, I do like two and a half. Like it is a bit of a different game, but it's like it's, it's a different game. You get to bring the big like dream lists that you couldn't normally run. Like it's it's fun. I like it. Yeah, the the criticism I've seen from two point five k is like you're not forced to make any decisions because you're at two k. You you can't have everything. You have to kind of compromise on some things. But I, I do think it's fun every now and again to just be able to have those things. The other thing that I've seen or heard people say, which I don't agree with, is you just add 500 points to your no. 2K list. I, I, I did for Tomb Kings, but I wasn't originally going to bring them. I was going to bring my clan Squire Army, and the Squire Army I've been using. Um, I'd won an event with beforehand. Changed a little bit since the new handbook, but it's completely different to what I would run at 2K. Um, yeah. The access to different things. Well, there's certain things so. that you physically can't take at 2k. Yeah. So then you go, okay, well, I can take that at two and a half, so I'll take it. Like, I won't just take my 2k army and add. Exactly. I think some people do, and that's almost like a oversight of that. I don't think that's how you should always approach it. Sometimes that is the right thing to do. Like, mm. if you feel like you already have sort of all grounds covered of what you want to do at 2k, and then you're just reinforcing that, then that can be valid. But yeah. I don't agree with the sort of criticism of you're just doing that all the time. I think it's nice to do it sometimes. I wouldn't want it to be the norm, 2.5. No. Uh, but I like doing it every now and again. Yeah. Like, I think it's fun. That's what I say. It's the it's a tournament I go to every year because it's the 2.5K. Every tournament. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I think it was, it was fun to do. So, um, And yeah, it's just it's all about the weekend, like getting to see the guys from up there and hang out and, and stuff like that. Although it did feel like everybody kind of went very early this year. Um, like for dinner, not that many people kind of stuck around and we were chatting for a little bit, but everyone seemed to, I don't know why, everyone just seemed to go off quite early this year. So I think there's more established groups now, because like the last couple of years it's been all of us who know each other kind of interstate, we've all kind of been attending since the first couple of events, so we've all got to know each other. Now that it's getting more popular, because the demand for RCGT is he could have filled 100 if he wanted to. Yeah. All these sort of different people who... Um, kind of getting into it in the last sort of six to twelve months I'd say maybe some a little bit longer who've got friends involved it's almost a little bit more um, too big a community to know everybody anymore which is a good thing that's a sign of growth yeah um, but I noticed that too uh, once beforehand I think it was like this is just kind of it like when you go to events these are not always the same people but quite often the same people so we all kind of know of each other and if we didn't know each other yeah I think it's got a bit too big for that now 
people, so you think people are just like, oh, well, I see these guys quite regularly now, so I'll just, I want to go home, so I'll just go home. Like, no, I'm saying the other way. I'm saying like the people who, I'm saying there are people there who don't know everyone anymore. Like people are kind of coming in their own groups and they don't, because before we go to an event, like I would see people from Brisbane at every event, so I got to know them over time. Yeah. Now I'll go to an event and there are people that I've never seen before who have never seen me before and you know, there's just too many people to know everybody now. Whilst before, everyone knew each other, so they all hung out. That's why. Oh, I mean, yeah, oh, so you mean because people don't know each other, they're not hanging out? They don't need to. They kind of come in with their own friends. You can't know everybody. Yeah. Um, I just more meant all the guys that we would normally hang out with, like Clint and Mick and Gemma and all that lot. They all just seem to leave quite early this year, like I thought, anyway. A few weeks ago now, I... I don't know. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, oh, um, I just I just remember being like, oh, everyone's gone. Like, when we'd had dinner and we kind of... So then the five of us that were all staying in the house together, we all just kind of went back to ours and just carried on drinking there. <laughs> just that was fun. Stayed up and... Oh, no, it was fun. It just... Um, That's why I go. I actually don't tell like, you much about the tournament. No offence to you lot. Like, I, I didn't need... We to, see us all the I time. I didn't need yeah. to travel to Brisbane to hang out with you guys. Like... I hang out with you guys here so uh, yeah I was a bit disappointed to not get to hang out with the guys up there I think what happened is I don't know if you were here in the meadows later there's like a or you can eat buffet thing which doesn't be really expensive I think half the people went into that and half the people didn't I went to the restaurant at the venue yeah I think we just kind of segregated ourselves really so yeah um, Um, because yeah Clint was off he was too busy having his five types of potato apparently um, Indeed. So, yeah, they haven't even gone home just sat in another part of the venue so. yeah um, but yeah so that was the event was won by Dave Kerr with his Stormcast and Adam Burke came second with his Stormcast so both of them on five wins so um, yeah Stormcast very strong both of them having units of ten evocators on foot not that that has any influence cough cough um, so yeah no it was um yeah, strong showing for uh, Stormcast at the moment. They seem to be doing very well. And Dave is smashing events at the moment. So, um, yeah, that was RCGT. Um, do you want to have a quick break? And then we'll come back and talk about Sydney GT. Sure. Cool. See you in a minute. And we're back. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> Ahoy, hoy. Dan is crunching on a Magnum. So, uh, yes... So we're now just going to chat about Sydney GT, which was the event last week. No, last weekend, weekend before last, um, Sometime at the time ago. of recording, <laughs> within the last two weeks, um, which was the weekend after RCGT. So we've had a lot of tournaments recently. Uh, so this was 2,000 points, Age of Sigmar, hosted at Moab, and this was run by Anthony Magro, AOS coach, online, and... Yeah, it was a 74-player event, I think, which is um, the second largest Age of Sigmar event in Australia so far, um, after CanCon this year. So he did a really good job. He got loads of sponsors on board, um, did an awesome job making tons and tons of terrain and everything. So um, really, really big well done to Anthony. Um, everything you did, but better. Exactly yeah. Exactly what Magra did. He did a really, really good job, yeah. <laughs> no, he did do a really good job. I messaged him after this as well. Um, yeah, and he used the interesting thing with, for the scoring was he used tabletop TO, which um, I it's something I've looked into as well because um, everybody can essentially submit their own results. Um, the actual website is really cool; like it's quite useful. You can actually 
go on, see all of the lists get attached to the players' names. You can see everybody's like detailed results. You can see major wins, minor wins. You see their kill points each round, um, which I think is really cool. And it makes it really easy to like track stats and stuff like that as well afterwards. So um, I think he, he told me that they were putting in a system specifically for him, but it didn't. I wasn't ready until like a day or two before the event, so in the end he didn't end up getting to use it to its full potential. Yeah. Which was a shame, but it still, it ran really smoothly, it went really well. Yeah. I I wasn't aware of any major issues. That was the one issue, was um, everybody had to suddenly sign up for it the night before, which, as Anthony knows, and as you've said, it was because he was having the event as a custom setup created by the guys at Tabletop TO, and unfortunately they didn't get it ready until the night before, which meant... Um, it was a bit of a rush to get people to sign up, so... Um, I was already signed up, though. I didn't sign myself in at all. So I went in there, I was already on it. You know, that's what I mean. So, because he didn't have a lot of time and he needed to get the pairings up, and he couldn't wait for everybody to sign up, Anthony had to set up the event and create everybody and sign them in, which meant if you actually had an account, it wouldn't be linked to the sign-up for that event, so you weren't actually able to submit results and things like that. So, like, I have a Tabletop TO account, but because the event was set up and created and all this, like, so the round one draw was done, there was no way for me to identify through my account that the Chris Welfare signed up to that event was me and to link my account to then be able to submit my results. So I wasn't able to submit results from my phone and stuff like that, so I had to go and tell the desk, but which most people did, and it ran really smoothly, like... Dan Picard and Sam O'Neill, who were his helpers, did a really, really good job of running around and entering results and stuff for everyone. So um, he did a really good job, and um, hopefully it's a resource that tabletop TO guys can have. Like, maybe that was a one-off build to allow that sort of setup for tournaments. Um, I'm not sure, but it would be great if that system can be used and people get used to using it more because not having a player, not having a player pack and just entering it and being able to see everything like see everybody else's matchups, but also the fact that it, everyone's lists were uploaded and assigned to everyone's names meant that not only when you checked the rounds to see who you're playing, you could literally click on them and see what list they have, which I personally found really useful. I didn't do that, I didn't do that. <laughs> but like, so when I was waiting for one of my opponents, I was reading up on his list. So it was really useful. Um, I remember I figured out... Um... Because like, he was tallying it all up at the end, and everyone was like, oh, I wonder where I finished, I wonder where I finished. And I figured out if you looked on like, the view matchups or something like that, it listed everyone in order of where they were currently placed. I was like, I think I know where everybody is. I think it's this. Yeah. And then I was right. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. Afterwards, the event naturally posts the standings. Mm. So um, I think he was hiding them to then announce them, but I found them anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Anthony. <laughs> Typical skating player, tunneling in. Where no, didn't use Tunneling in where he's not wanted. I found it by accident, I wasn't even looking for it. <laughs> oh, it's the Sigma's throne room, whoops. Um, so yeah, it was really good. Um, Anthony had loads of secondaries as well. Um, there was like, they were fun, I really like them. There was like 19 of them, I think, which he borrowed from the Nashcon pack, I want to say. Um, but they were really good, they were really varied. Um, some of them were a lot harder to achieve than others, and you got, at the start of the event, you got given a random, um, like selection of seven I think it was originally ten and then it became seven um, so it was seven and you had to each game choose one to try and achieve in, in secret and then um, I like once them. you'd done They're it really you couldn't try and do that one again 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was cool. Um, they were very heavily weighted, which, to be fair, like, all the pack and everything was very transparent. It said how many points they were worth. So, major win was worth 15. Uh, minor win was worth 11? I think it was 10. 10? And then the secondary was worth 9. A draw was worth... Six, maybe? I don't know. Six or seven? Um, but anyway, so yeah, a major win was worth 15, a minor win was worth 10, and then a secondary was worth nine. So they were very, very heavily weighted, um, which Anthony said was something that he did deliberately to, because there was lots of people coming to that event as their kind of first event getting into Age of Sigma. So he wanted people to, like, making the assumption that a lot of those people would probably be losing their games due to inexperience. He didn't want them to just have a bad experience of getting beaten and having, nothing, to play having nothing to play for. So he weighted the secondaries highly so that people could play for that. I really like that he did that. The other thing is um, the secondaries he chose, I thought, were really good. Because they quite often, most the tournaments, the, the biggest tournament we had was CanCon last year. And there were so many people on the exact same result because the tiebreakers were all kill-focused, which I think Flint's corrected this time around, that they're a lot more varied this year. I think they look a lot better if anyone's read that pack yet. But um, you could... There was one of them which is like, guess who's going to kill more this game, you or your opponent. And, um, for example, like if you're like, oh, I think I'm going to get smashed here, you could at least bet that you're going to do less damage and you can still get the secondary that way. Um, I, I thought that was really cool. I had one where I had to get my general killed on purpose, which I did. Um... <laughs> Wish I had those. I had really difficult ones to achieve. I had really hard ones as well. Um, I got four out of five, which I think I got four out of five. Yeah, I got four out of five, which I thought was pretty good. I think only a couple of people got all five. So yeah, but it's got, good that they're hard. Like, I got three because um, I I didn't really pay them as much attention. If I when I thought back about afterwards, I probably could have made sure that I didn't that I got my other two. To be honest, um, yeah. but I did have to play for them, and at the same time, I was like. I'm always focused on the main mission. So I was like, well, like at the end of the day, if I win, I should do well. This is a secondary, right? So it's my secondary objective. Um, and I didn't want to jeopardise not winning the overall. Well, winning still was worth more. Um, yes. Uh, so, but they were very heavily weighted, which you, you saw from the results. There was, I, I thought that was a There was really people up there. Um, yeah, no, I think it was good. And like Anthony said completely, he did it for a specific reason and it completely encouraged the reason he did it. So more power to well, him. Well, even at the top, I, I hate when you've got like 15 people on the exact same result and then it comes down to cut points. Like, oh yeah, I hate that too. It wouldn't have happened anyway. I just mean there was um, a lot of people that were up there that from a gaming mate, like wins-loss ratio, yeah. it didn't quite make sense. Um, and I'm speaking of this because it did directly impact me. So... I took my silly Dreadwood list, I would say, because I put in three Heraldors, um, and I got I won all five games. Two of them were only minors, to be fair, um, but I still had five wins. But then, because I only got three out of my five secondaries, the people that achieved five would have got eighteen points more than me. And when there wasn't that much, that many difference, that many points difference between a like a major win or a minor win or a minor loss, it. Um, it basically meant that the first and th the people that came first and third had five wins, and then there was myself with five wins, and I was thirteenth. I'd also say though, um, I really liked how his thing didn't it factored in as you went. So previously, what I've seen beforehand is where like people on the same result will play each other, and 
then at the very end tiebreakers will come into play and then they'll tell you where you finished whilst this one did that as you went along and I thought that was really good so if you started off with um, a poorer painting score or you got dropped sports very early that would affect you as you went which I thought was quite good um, I thought that was a positive thing anyway um, being matched on soft or yeah soft and if you, if you didn't anything. get yeah being matched as you go so like uh, even if you uh, what's the word like didn't get your secondary very early on so I was on table four for the second game and I didn't get my secondary and I dropped to table six even though I won because other people did but that's where I deserved to be because as things were going yeah um, well, the secondaries were worth points. So they were points, exactly. So yeah. what I, I don't always like it when... I thought this was a breath of fresh air. I really liked how he did it. I thought it was really nice how four majors plays four majors wasn't just a thing here. You could be, like, three majors and then all your secondaries against someone who's got four majors and then two secondaries or, like, got some minor wins. And, like, all these soft scores were factoring as you went and you always knew who was first and second, that the tables were in order of where people were stood and where they were placed. I, I really liked that I thought that was really nice and refreshing and just different um, and yeah I mean it's I, I just also think you know it, it was different we knew that going in I think your tournament also heavily weighted victory points as opposed to the result itself um, people, there are people from Sydney Slaughter who won a lot of games that didn't get a lot of victory points who consequently didn't do as well as they thought they might yeah. and then yeah. vice versa so I think Read the player pack. Yeah, is probably my advice to people because it was all there and it was all spelled out. And unlike, I guess, RCGT, where that sort of lack of transparency about why people were placed where they were, this information was all available to us. And if you didn't read it, it's kind of your own fault. It's kind of how I see it. But um, if if you read the pack, you knew going in how heavily weighted these secondaries were. So yeah, um, I don't feel that sorry for you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for me. I'm just like, yeah, like you said, I do the same. I do a similar thing for slaughter and weight it. I mean, that one is on. It's more. It's not the it's like at the end of the day, no, my my secondaries yeah. don't give you points. They are still a tiebreaker, so they don't in themselves give you points. But they would then tiebreak people on a similar result if you achieve more. My victory points is a case of if you win, it's how big you win. So yep. that's a little bit different because at the end of the day, I still think the people that were winning the games, like the game should be the main mission. I just mean... Um, well, it was because it was still worth more than a secondary. Yes, but by a very, very, very small amount. Um, um, it, all I'm saying is the five secondaries were worth the equivalent of three major wins, which is a lot. Like, uh, well, like I said, like... Uh, I think Zach won four games at Sydney Slaughter and didn't do that great because his victory points weren't very high. I can't see it the same way, if I'm honest. That's what I'm saying. He won four games, but he didn't win them very strong. Whereas well, actually, he did win them very strong because one of your objectives allowed him to win in the second term, so he didn't score very high. He won too strong for his own good. Mm. Um, but I, my point being is I thought it was nice, I thought it was different. All the information was there. Yeah, I don't oh, want it every... Clear. It was super clear. It was... Yeah, I don't want every tournament to be exactly the same. I thought it was nice that this yeah. one wasn't like one we've already done. I like that Sydney Solar is different. I like that this one was different. I like that RTGT is different. I like that Merv is different. I don't want to adopt GW's tournament pack because I don't want every tournament to be identical. Yeah, no, I, um, completely, I completely agree. That's kind of more my point. And it's, um, you can see them. You can see the results as you as yeah. you go. Like everyone is a, you've got so much information because of Tabletop TO. Um, I just feel like it's all there. He gave you everything, and if you were surprised at the end by how you did, um, soft scores aside, in terms of like you know someone dropped you very heavily for sports or painting or something like that, 
all that information was all available to you and I don't think anyone that's the only thing is it I don't have a clue what how I did in terms of painting or sports I said aside from that so you don't oh, know your okay. sports and you don't know your painting okay. those are the things where um, you know some people release that information some people don't but because um, yeah that's the only thing I don't know how I did sports wise and I don't know how I did painting wise but. Uh, yeah so um, also I found out because he came over to me just to shameless plug here um I was playing Ethan in my fourth game, and he came over to me, do you have any freehand on your banners? So I was like, no, because I just answered his question. And then hold on, like, later on I was like, hold on a minute, I have freehand on other things, but I said no. And then I never really, I realised when I got home and they'd already full, done the full results, and like, I messaged Sam and stuff, and he was like, yeah, we'd have given you the points for that. I was like, oh, I should have finished one place higher than I did. So I just reported it, because he was like, do you have freehand on your banner? I was like, no. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um... But yeah, so you took Tomb Kings again? I did. The 2K list? Yeah, um, I did a lot better than I thought I would, because um, I nearly won, but I was really bent out from painting, and I had a list I think would have been slightly better, which was to take some combat with Shabdi instead of my 15 Tomb God. But I was like, I've been painting these non-stop, but the chariots were killing me. Like, from the RTGT, it was only the week before. I was like, I'm not going to try and get this done, I'm just going to take what I have painted and then see how I do. Like in terms of like master's rankings, not really my top priority, but I'm already there even if it was, so I was like, I'll just go have fun, whatever. Um, and then I nearly ended up winning, so I was like, oh, maybe I should have put the effort into painting. Maybe they would have made a difference. Not saying they would have, who knows, but um, the Tomb Guard didn't really pull through for me in many situations in a way that I don't think the Ashapi would have done equally as well at, so, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I took Team King. Basically a more condensed version of my 2.5k. Uh, I dropped the Ishaki with great bows. Uh, dropped the unit of Legionnaires, dropped the Herald. Um, and that's 500 points, right? I don't remember. I think I was under, I was 1960. Um, yeah. Okay. I dropped something else as well. I think I took two Lich Priests at 2.5k, which I didn't have. Yeah. 2K. yeah. I think that was the difference. But yeah, it was fun. Um, very different matchups again. Setra so. was still whooshing. He was. He may have whooshed his last whoosh though, because I feel like I'm going back to Skaven now. <laughs> and I feel like this time next year they probably won't be a thing anymore, which I think would be a huge shame. But Tomb Kings? Yeah. I don't think they'll get rid of them. They promised that they never would, because they will. if they do that, they will literally make whole ranges of models that people own literally unplayable which is something they said that they would never do because at the end of the day they're a GW product that people bought and spent money on they unexpectedly removed them like yeah I, and I think it would be a very poor move personally if they did fully remove them I think leaving them as they are and basically trying to have subpar rules I mean they clearly aren't um, uh, they but do and do. they're not like they're not getting new stuff they're not going to be getting Tomb King endless spells they're not going to be getting loads of battalions and like they're not going to get anything new from where they are and to be honest I don't really see the points tweaking the only thing I might see is if somebody was cropping up with them doing really well somewhere is they might go okay let's just add some more points to this so if people want to take them they still always can but competitively, they just won't be a thing. Um, and I think there's a big difference in yeah. making them competitively not playable to actually physically making them not playable. So I personally hope they never do that because, I mean, your army for one is awesome. And I know you would just 
you're building it so that you can just use it as like a Legions of Nagash army. Yeah, I played a couple of games to, but like that. I didn't enjoy that. I like using them as Tomb Kings. I like the models. A lot of the things that cross over are all the Death Rattle type units, and I can do that. I know I've thought about that for the Teams event that's coming up, but I don't really want to. It's just so that if that does happen, the range isn't entirely redundant. I can still play with them. Um, they're still accessible to me, I guess, that yeah. way. Um, but in a subpar way, that's not really very satisfying. Um, I still think Tomb Kings are better than Legends of the Gash. Well, evidently, it's just Setra. The other thing I might add... It's just Setra with a whoosh cake. Even though that I... Okay, so I've come fourth and could have got third if I recorded my painting properly. Um, for this one, uh, I won the first four and then lost the last game. Needs to kill one more Witch Elf. Um, even that, like I've done well with another considered non-competitive army in Skaven. I, I don't think that means that the rules are necessarily wrong. Um... Although it did appear last time that I went on Honest Wargame and I spoke about Skaven, some of the cool tricks you can do, and it, a lot, pretty much everything I mentioned got nerfed quite heavily uh, in the FAQ that followed. A couple of things I wasn't too surprised, a couple of things really odd and very specific things that only I did, so I felt like they nerfed me personally. Um, but um, I, I don't know, I didn't see. Their rules have been hit pretty hard. Um, I think I've just learned how to play with them because I've played with them a lot. They were the first army I used in Age of Sigma. I actually played with them more than my Skaven. So yeah. um, it was very familiar with them. And I think some of the things that they did nerf, which was the, the Necromancer and the Necropolis Knights, etc., um, that wasn't really the combo that I was ever using anyway. So the combo that I used, because I've, I've never liked using mixed death, the things that I used is still there. Um, and I, I think they've got a very viable build in a very specific build, which can fall apart very easily um, against anything that has moderate shooting. So, <laughs> yeah. so I just didn't really come across. Yeah, um, or high magic and mortal wounds. Like yeah, zinch. ranged threat, really. Um, like yeah, so when I played Ash at RCGT, I, I knew that. We both knew that he was going to win that. <laughs> so uh, it's still playing with a bit of a handicap, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think it's doing well because the game generally, a lot of people seem to have shifted towards a very combat-oriented yeah. meta which benefits you because your list is very, very good at combat. Um, it is. In that the snakes can basically murder anything. And also Setra is very choppy against the right thing. And with that cape, he can just never really be in an unfavourable combat. Um, and that's kind of, you've got no choice because the game's already going poorly. Um, that's kind of it, though. Um, yeah, I mean, he still flubs it for me in a regular, but he, he's very good. It's just that he's the he is the buff he's the linchpin for the entire army. So being able to just put him where you need him and get him out of harm's way all from one thing is just so strong. That's why that item is so amazing on him. Yeah. But because you have to take mixed death to take that item, that's why I don't think it's I don't think it's ever going to be in a place where it's stupid because you're never going to see a legions and a gash player decide to forfeit grave sites spells, all of that stuff, so they can take a cloak on something. It just helps the Tomb Kings specifically, but everything else is kind of fine. Yeah, I think so too. You can have other mixed armies, but I think for the most part there's not really much incentive to go outside of the death allegiances at the moment. Um, other than it's just mixed death artifact that makes him very good. But even so, like a few other people were running the Ephraim amulet with him, which is very good. I think what I did suits my playstyle better, but... Yeah. yeah, 
To be honest, I took them to have fun. Yeah. Um, I took my skaven to have fun. I've just managed to do okay with them. I never really set out to be competitive with either of them. Did you um, have any really cool matchups and stuff at Sydney GT? Yeah, the first game I got matched against another Team Kings player. There were three of us. Um, there was no Seraphon, but there's three Team Kings players. There was no Seraphon at all. No Seraphon. I think Kid Summer had a Seraphon army. Yeah. Um, that baffles me personally. Yeah, but so while well, the Seraphon players we knew was one Zach, my housemate, didn't go. And then um, Chris Tot brought something else Chris and did pretty well. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I played another Team Kings player. It's quite refreshing actually because no one really knows what they do. That We both kind of knew each other's rules off the bat, so didn't really have to go through that whole thing again. Um, yeah, he was cool. Um, played that, played a Calibron Dodds of the Kane Army. Um, was that Sam? That was Sam, yeah. yeah. Um, Smorgan. Smorgan. Um, I played him in Faces of Arcane Power, and it didn't occur to me that his Doom Fire Wallets can score. So yeah. I had dropped him, and I was like, oh, he's got his cauldron, I can kind of build a wall around Tetris like that, and then I can just send chariots and kill his um, Medusa, and I'll be fine. And then I did do those things, and then he moved his Doomfire wallets on the objective, and I was like, oh yeah, they can win. Um, <laughs> and um, if I recall that, I would have approached the game very differently, and I think because uh, I, I dropped him, and I knew as long as I could roll the two up, which I did um, this time, I could I could have killed his Doomfires. Um, they were in range of my snakes. And then I could have gone for the Medusa later, which would have been the better thing to do, because the threat of Doombolt the whole game wasn't great. Um, but, yeah, it was an interesting game. I think had he played more offensively, he had Witch Elves that could have... Because the problem with that scenario for me, that's my worst one by far, is... you I, can't Witch away. No, I can't. And even if he redeploys on it, it's still he's left it. Yeah. So you lose it. So yeah. I can't run away. And he was using his Witch Elves to screen his other stuff. His Doomfires rather than coming at me, and I think that was a big mistake yeah, okay. on his part. Um... As I said to him afterwards, and he agreed to. Yeah. Um, did help that I won all the priorities. Ah, okay. <laughs> but um, I think the game before I lost all four, so it felt sort of righteous to me. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, had I picked up on the Doom fires, or I don't really know why, it's sort of a bit of a brain blank out. I, I would have approached the game very differently. Um, so yeah, it was a cool one. Um, he did nice enough too. Like. Yeah, I played. I played Smorgan. Um, we had a good game. I think he suffered from the same thing against you in that he wasn't aggressive enough. Um, Daughters of Cain, at the end of the day, are an incredibly powerful army, um, especially when you have a unit of 20 blood sisters in it and a Slaughter Queen on Cauldron with all of the buffs and also 10 Doomfire Warlocks, which with Mindraiser are pretty horrific as well, um, that he, he wasn't aggressive enough. Turn one, he was considering a teleport, but because I limited his range um, to 12... And I'd screened off so that he couldn't kind of hit Alarial or anything like that with a six mortal wounds. I think he just wanted to wait. So he, he, he moved to do the teleport and then he kind of took it back um, and, and didn't and just went, oh, no, I'm going to leave it. Because to be fair, we were playing Starstrike as well, so you don't necessarily want to do too much turn one because you don't know where the objectives are going to come down, which I get. But I was also playing on the fact that I need to just cover the board as much as possible to limit how useful his teleporting can be um, because he obviously has to be 9 away so once I could get my woods down and then I could just spread out dryads and spikes and stuff like that I could just push his teleports to the corners and the edges of the boards 
um, which is not where the objectives land. So that was kind of my plan anyway. So I just ran up the board. I didn't try and alpha strike him. I just ran up the board, not as close to him as I could have done because I didn't want his witch elves to have a really easy charge onto me either. Um, yeah. And I just kind of went to the middle of the board and thought, well, I'm slightly forward of middle. I know that the objective's going to land on this middle line. So if I'm a little bit in front of it, that should help me. Um, and I put my Kurnoth hunters at the front near his witch elves because I knew they'd be able to probably, like, Kurnoths, if any, like, in cover... Once they get charged, they actually can. They are a unit that can buff off Witch Elves because they've got a 3-up re-rollable save. So the Witch Elves will bounce off Kurnoths. So I kind of just sat them on the edge of the wood. Um, to make sure I had cover, I actually had one of them because I couldn't fit them all in cover within one inch of the edge of the wood. So I actually didn't shoot with one of them because I was like, the cover will be more important for me to survive. Mm. So I just had one of them in the middle of the wood not able to see because nothing he had flew so I couldn't shoot with it but I was like to be honest that's fine I'm just going to shoot with my champion and one other dude because it's just I was just against units of 10 witch elves and I was just like okay this scenario is all about bodies so I'm just going to ignore the cauldron I'm just going to ignore the hags and everything like that and I'm just going to turn one go and just start shooting the witch elves down because at least they can't like it's not like he can summon more he can't get them back and he split his army, so he had... Sound like Inferior's notes to me. So he kind of had a couple of units off to one side that weren't in range of the Cauldron buff, um, or anything like that. Um, oh no, they don't need the Cauldron buff, because he's Celebron. Um, so yeah, they were, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to get into position to shoot stuff, and he didn't charge me turn one. Um, and then he came in with his... Turn two, he then came in with his ten Doomfires killed my screen but then Lariel countercharged and took them but took eight of them off I think yeah. um, and I tried to kind of cover her with a charge from, with my Kurnoth Hunters as well to get I tried to charge the edge of the Doomlock Doomfires to get them so that they were wrapping m most of her base because he also had his Slaughter uh, Slaughter Queen and Cauldron there but then I obviously the snakes move eight and then they can run and charge and come in so then his big unit of 20 snakes came in and he got about nine or ten of them, I think, into combat, and he just took a layer along. Which is why I think you shouldn't take 20. We yes, have this conversation 20, very recently. we do, but 20 is there so that if you get hit with the immunity to Battleshock, you still have 10 to do all the damage. Okay. May I propose to you, I hit him with my snakes, and he had no snakes. But anyway, um, so yeah, I managed to... In Calibron, in Tagnar, then 10 is probably the way to go. In Calibron, they don't have the ward saver or the resilience. Um, I charge in full force and destroy them. So... Um, but anyway, so I managed to get the win on that one um, with some... I decided to pretty much forfeit the one of the objectives because two of them fell on the left-hand side where he wasn't. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give up on that one on the right, you're going to have it. And then I just tried to focus and wrap the others with my dryads. And it pretty much worked. It meant that in order to achieve his secondary as well, because he thought I was just giving up on um, the objective on the right, he just put the one remaining Doomfire Warlock on it which then I'd left some spites in a wood nearby, so I was able to just run them and get two or three models within six to outnumber his one, so I actually managed to steal it off him turn four. So my turn four, I, I got all three, and I scored 12, and then I won the priority, and I scored 15, which was enough to win the game. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, overall, where did you come? I came fourth. Awesome. Good job. 
That's cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I came 13th, but five wins, which I was surprised about. I thought I was going to get an auto major loss in the first game, to be honest, against Tom Holdsworth. Just get outnumbered. Yeah, by, I saw that one rats. too. I did um, no faith in you. I walked past that one. I was like, oh, that doesn't look good for Chris. But yeah. Oh, no, I fully expected to lose that as soon as we hit turn three as well. I was like, come on, Tom, let's get to turn three so you can win, and then I can go to the bring and buy. And then. Tom did really well. One, actually. Yeah, he came above me, and then um, one battle shock. One too many rats fleed from Battleshock, so he didn't get the major on turn three, and then I had three. I had three of the four um, when the game finished, so I managed to get the minor win there. But um, yeah, no, I had a really good time. It was a really good event. Um, Magro did a really good job. So um, I'm just glad that I beat the other, um, not other. I beat Elise and the Gash player who got like second best death, and I was like, this is symbolic. Yeah, best death was Tomb Kings, to be fair, which is what yeah, you said. Which I said. So now I'm going to retire them. So it's forever true. Cool. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about or should we call it there um, if enough stuff for my head it was a cool event I had fun I thought it was nice so. cool awesome it's a really interesting game the realm is probably the one thing to talk about which we haven't spoke about in that he used some version okay. of realm rules um, well, should we take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about realm rules in general because they're coming up quite a bit about tournaments and stuff do you need the toilet is that why we're possibly okay cool so we'll have a quick break and we are back and yeah, we're just going to have a bit of a chat about Realm Rules, because they were in play at Sydney GT, which was cool. Um, we've not seen them that much, to be honest. So um, yeah, Dan, what were your thoughts? Well, first let's address the fact that they were in play in a very limited and selective way. And um, they basically, there were five realms. I don't think we knew beforehand which ones were going to be in play. And then he basically chose what spell we could use for each one, and also selected what the realm effect would be. Um, I thought that was the best way to do it. The realm rules are quite controversial. Um, controversials are probably my feelings of them is they've not written particularly well. Um, I think most people who know me know I think that, <laughs> but um, because this time they were kind of handcrafted, I, I think they were quite fun. Uh, I think my first three games we didn't really use them and I forgot about them. In my fourth and fifth game we did use them and they did impact the game, um, but because there were some of the tamer, more fun ones, I guess. Nothing, there's nothing in there that was significantly limiting that was going to decide the game based on a random factor, and I think that's the main reason they're not generally used. So I was quite happy to use them in that form, but I also forgot them in three of my games. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forgot them. Yeah. I, I also think, think a few people misread them, and I was going back and checking, saying, that's not a thing. It's something that I find quite often. I don't think people do this on purpose is sometimes people just remember things wrongly or whatever it may be. Um, people generally don't have that familiarity with them. There's like 49 different combinations or something you can get um, for the realm rules and effects of spells and things like that. So the lack of familiarity can be poor. What they did do to address that is they printed them all out and they were available to everybody, which was really good. Um, yeah. There's a couple of times we double-checked some things. I was like, I'm pretty sure you can't do that. No, no, you can't, <laughs> like reading them. But... Um, you know, that kind of comes with introducing anything new, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, so that was one of the things that I know Sam did, was it kind of was charged with in terms of helping out and in the lead-up to the event, was looking at all the realm rules and kind of seeing which ones were more, I guess, um, usable. Because, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, the reason that as far as I know, pretty much no events in the world are just using the full realm rules straight from the book. Are Unfortunately, there's a few, and it is only really a few, that just aren't really 
really very well written for competitive, balanced, fun, to be honest, match play games because their impact is just too strong or too crazy. Um, like banishment, the ability to just move a unit, remove it from an objective. Yes, your opponent gets to set it up now, so potentially they could use it to set themselves up somewhere in a favourable charge, especially if it's in your turn that you're banishing them, so they would be able to move and they're setting up nine away. But at the same time, that can be so vital. You think of scenarios where it's heroes and they have to stay on objective. If you can just cast that spell and you're a Zinch army that can cast, or a death army that can cast very, very high, and they've got a character, especially a slow-moving, maybe foot character, they might have managed to actually get onto the objective, and you can just cast a spell and remove it from that objective and put it miles away in a corner and basically take it out of the game that's literally game winning from, from one spell yeah, yeah, that stupid. doesn't really require much skill because you've taken an army that has a very high casting ability um, which is why they do favour some armies more than others they definitely do but most of, the, most of them are okay like the realm effects and things like that generally it's like roll a dice on a six, pick one unit, and maybe it takes D3 mortal wounds or something. It's okay. So Sam went through them all before the event and basically kind of found combinations of the realmscape features and the realm command abilities, and then the spell, like a spell from five realms that were usable and not game-breaking. And so, yeah, they were in play. They announced before each round which... They announced... all which five would be used before the event so that they could all be printed off, but they announced before each game which one you would be playing in. So that was quite cool as well. So you, you couldn't really build around it too much. Um, the thing that I thought was important is the Endless Spells affect realms too. So Olgu was not one of the realms, and that's something I was looking for right away. Yeah. If you have a spell portal, you can actually put it anywhere on the board. That is dumb. Like, so yeah, Nagash that. can basically try and dust, dust anything from the entire board with impunity if you play in the realm of Ulgu, which is why the realm of Ulgu was not in play. Um, and you can just sit outside of his, you can sit outside of your own bind range, so you can't even do anything about it. At least if he hand of dust you normally, there's a chance you might have a wizard in range, you might unbind the spell. But, yeah, um, so um, that's, that's what we're talking about. There's some combinations that unfortunately just, to be honest, they break the game. So, or they decide it before you've even played. If you're playing a character on Overlord Army and then every all range is limited to six for the entire game, that's a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Or the entire game, just the entire board's ethereal, and like you have a Stormcast two or real ones army, so everything has a two of invincible save or whatever. But um, but yeah. So anyway, yeah. they did a really good job, I think. Yes, it was heavily comped, but I think to be it honest, to it's, be. it has to be to use them. So it was really nice anyway that they were used. They didn't have much of an impact like I to be honest I forgot the realmscape feature in probably every single game as did my opponent we'd remember and go oh we should have rolled that let's do it from next turn and then when next turn rolled around we'd forget it again um, so it, it didn't really matter like the good thing was it didn't matter if you didn't use them um, but it wasn't also like your opponent would just win because they remembered to use a realmscape yeah, feature that you forgot like they weren't so powerful that if you forgot to do one and your opponent remembered that they would just win the game because of it, which is not how it should be anyway. At the end of the day, the main impact should be your army and your strategy on the table. It shouldn't be that you can abuse an extremely powerful, poorly written rule. Of a random factor. Um, so, 
yeah, it's um, it was cool. I liked that they were in play. I don't, I didn't have an issue with them. The only thing I'd say is, did it have a huge impact on adding to my enjoyment of the games? Probably not. It felt basically like I say, I generally forgot most of it. Occasionally, I'd be like, oh yeah, I could cast that spell. Okay, I'll cast that spell. But it wasn't like, oh, this is amazing. I'm so happy that I get to use a spell from the realm of light. Like it. Basically, it could have been... I like how there's only one spell in the form. It could have been or... there or it could not. My only concern is if it if they did get added and it was a full spell law of six. Like I wouldn't want that. Some armies are just... Re- some players as well are just very slow in making decisions. And if you've got a whole six additional spells to consider, which ones you want to cast each hero phase, like... That you're not familiar it's with. It's just going to slow yeah. the game down and I don't see that it has a huge positive impact. Like, enough of a positive impact on the game to outweigh... To be honest, probably quite a lot of the negative experiences that you would get if you just played full realm rules in every game. Yeah, the one thing that I would say about it, which um, I'm kind of against, is it seems to have reignited this sort of persistent conversation of, oh, we did realm rules, it was fine, so can we do full realm rules now? Like, no, I would not attend an event that did the full realm rules the way they're written in the book. Um, I just think it's too much. I think we, we, we'd said at RCGT, I know that's 2,500 points anyway, but the game has just got slower because there's just more and more and more and more to it. If someone... Wa- I think it's cool, but... Nice to, idea. But to be honest, I do see them as a bit of a narrative-esque add-on. Like, you don't need them. I can't say that they massively enhance the match play side of things. Do you feel differently about the artefacts? I like the artefacts, because I help that... I think they, they aren't... More impactful. They are more impactful, but, no but not in a super game-breaking way because everybody has equal access to them. And I am going to say equal. Do I they? am aware that uh, armies <laughs> that have battalions and things like that can use them, like, more. They can take more of them, which, yes, I get, does impact some more than other. I just mean, if you take an artifact, it has the same kind of impact in every game, and it's fixed in your list as well. It's not like a spell law where if you just take a magic heavy army like Zinch or Nagash that can cast eight spells, and then every game you get all of these other super crazy powerful things. At the end of the day, you can take an item on one guy that will give plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Yes, that's good, but you are still also replacing an item that you could take from your book, which it's not like you get an extra one for free. So I think it's okay. To it's okay. I, I, I think it's okay to use them, and I don't. I don't really buy into people that say, "Oh, I don't. I don't see how you can t- say that it's balanced taking the artifacts but not taking the spells." I think there is a clear difference, and the spells and everything like that add too much onto the game in terms of time and bookkeeping and everything like that. To be honest, that you More just you just don't get from the artifacts. At the end of the day, it's. You're not adding anything in terms of time. You're, you're adding no more. You're, you're keeping the same number of artifacts you have in your list. You can just pick one that does something slightly different to one of the ones in your book. You're not adding all these possibilities of remember to roll in this Realmscape feature and now I have two extra command abilities that I consider using and I've got six extra spells I can pick from. It's, it's just too much, I think, for match play. How did you feel about the scenery was Scrolls? Uh... Didn't use them. Just Same rolled. Thing. Just rolled. Just rolled for terrain every game. What I found, and they're kind of mixed feelings in this one. Because one hand, like it would be cool to use them. Another hand, it's like there's certain ones which again had to be comped. So like the, um, he basically had a list of these are the ones you're allowed to bring because they didn't serve an advantage, um, for different reasons. And um, yeah, I, I didn't really use any of them, but I know a few people did. Kind of 
taking advantage of the fact they're not very familiar with people to try and get more command points out of one of them and I threw on hit rolls from a different yeah. terrain piece I did hear of some of that happening which um, like one hand is like well you knew that you could bring these you didn't read them your opponent should explain them to you um, it just slows the game down even more I just like the fact that terrain is just roll, roll a dice at the start yeah. of the game it's one of these six things everybody's got used to it it's fine yeah, so I, I, I'm kind of in agreement on that one. I feel like it's convoluted, there's too much to remember. It starts getting a bit deceptive almost, and people aren't as yeah. aware of them. And I, also, I guess I don't really understand the argument for them, other than the fact that they exist. Um, At the end of the day, you can still use a Numinous Oculum. You can still use a Realm Gate. You just aren't getting Realm Gate rules. Which, it only people are like, oh, it's only because I want to use those rules. That piece of terrain could have been released with no rules, and there would have been no qualm. Yeah. Like, there, there would have been no issue. It's just because it's got given rules. I kind of just wish, to be honest, they just took them out and they were like, no. Or they just explicitly said, these rules are for narrative games. Like, I just, I just, think, in, anymore, I just think in match play, to be honest, I do see it that way. Like, match play, it's like mysterious, like mysterious terrain features. You don't know what something is, you roll a dice for it, and that's what it is. Like, I actually prefer that, not knowing that it's fixed. You're not building around it. I actually I prefer that too. I think it's more tactical as well, because you can't just go, oh, well, there's this thing in my army where because of this battalion, I can get plus one to cast, and then if there's arcane, I can get plus one to cast, and the spell I'm trying to do cast on a four. So if I, can, if I know I have arcane terrain, I know I physically can't fail to do this spell. So then if I set up outside Unbind, I can guarantee that I can always do this thing. It's like, well, people will just always bring in Arcane Ruins and stick it in a corner in their deployment zone. That like, already happens with Corn Armies bringing big line of sight blocking terrains to their blood secretors to a yeah. certain degree. Not for the same reasons, but um, there's something you did at your event, which we spoke about earlier, where you put dots on the table where the custom... Because each player bought three pieces of terrain and there was four or five already on the table. Yeah. And what you had at your event, oh, these are the dots. You have to alternate putting them down. They have to go here. You can't choose to put two huge line of sight blocking pieces of terrain in both deployment zones because you have a blood secretor, which yeah. is something I think some of the other tournaments has kind of fallen victim to kind of quietly under the radar. Sorry, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> um, which um, I, I thought you got about it the best way, actually. I thought that was the best way to do it. It was the most balanced. And, um, yeah, how do you feel about Sylvaneth Wildwoods getting the Citadel Woods rule? And if you feel like Citadel Woods rule is a part of that narrative feature, should that carry over to match play as well? Do you think Sylvaneth Wildwoods should block line of sight? I think they, sh- they should. It's on the wall scroll. It said that they do. I think it's fine. And as I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, I actually don't think that rule is broken. I don't think it really comes into play anywhere near as often as you would think in favour of the Sylvaneth player. I'm only asking because um, it's something that does directly impact that army that's not on the Wildwood War Scroll. If it was on the Wildwood War Scroll, I don't think anyone would be asking any questions. It's more the fact that it's on the Citadel Woods War Scroll. Yeah. Um, that's just, to be honest, they've said they are treated as made of Citadel Woods. So... I kind of see it as essentially it is on the war scroll. They've okay. just chosen not to. If add you're not using wording. scenery war scroll rules, though, does that carry over? So if you've decided in an event or a tournament that we're not using Citadel Woods rules as written, we're going to roll mysterious terrain for it. Does that rule that you kind of vetoed carry over to Wildwoods? I see what you mean. Um, I would say so. Yes, just because I would say that they've intended that the Wildwoods have that have rule. That rule. So Wildwood's block line of sight. So it shouldn't be a case of terrain, like scenery war scrolls are what makes 
the wildwood habit because it's been counted as a citadel wood. Yes. Wildwoods have always been made of citadel woods, and they're just saying that anything that's a citadel wood is blocked line of sight. So essentially, the wildwood, I just see it as the wildwood war scroll, which no one is comping out because it's essential to Sylvaneth and you could never comp it out. It's part of the army. Well, they board. didn't have um, that rule until this edition. Yeah, but what I'm saying is just, I feel like they could also just update the Sylvaneth Wildwood War Scroll to have that rule. That would be But they've just not. That would be They've just gone, well, it's made of Citadel Woods and we'll update the Citadel Wood Scroll. So I just think it's a, like, they don't need to update two places. I don't see it as being the same thing where if you say, oh, Citadel Wood, like, a Citadel Wood doesn't block line of sight, so then that suddenly means that Wildwoods don't block line of sight. I guess the way, um, just devil's advocate, because I don't think it's a huge game. I think it can be, depending on the matchup. I, I don't think it's, I'm not against it, but what I'm saying is, say, like, me and you play, you're still going to play. I have a set of Wildwoods I bring with me, that's one of my three pieces of terrain. My woods don't block line of sight, but yours do. Yeah. That's kind of where, there feels like a lack of consistency in that. Yeah. So, um, I can see that. I think that's a bit yeah. of an oversight. I also, like, just because they've written them, sometimes they write poor rules and everyone has to put up with it and kind of deal with that. Enlightened extra attacks, uh, but and cheaper. Um, and cheaper because buy our new book. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm just putting it forward as a point of argument, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, if I'm honest, I just see it as the essentially. It's Citadel, just a part of it now. Yeah, Citadel Wood, like uh, sorry, Wildwood's block line of sight. Like that's how it's. Yeah, they can just have it on their wall scroll. To be honest, like, and I see that as being different. Like it, you just have normal forests don't, but Wildwoods do. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's just part of it, and then. I think uh, there seems to be um, a big. And that's how everyone I found is playing it. To be fair. Yeah, I, same. Um, I think the thing that's just kind of done a bit of a disservice with this edition is a lot of these things they've written. People that oh, we have to intervene here. We can't do this exactly as it's written, which is how it's intended to. In the same way, you can kind of say this is how they've intended the woods to be played. It's like we can't allow that. We have to take charge. Which is what a lot, or pretty much everyone's done, because no one's used all of these rules exactly as they're written. I'm not aware of a major tournament that's had a really high number of attendees that's played the rules exactly as they are in the book. Um, it does feel a little bit like this. I mean, this edition, the new edition, is really fun. I like most of the changes that they've made. I think there's some really interesting systems now that didn't exist in the game beforehand. It does feel a little bit like they've messed up in terms of their execution of some of these ideas. I th- yeah, I think to be honest, all they had to do was just be like. My bad. Mali- well, no, all they had to do is be like, Malign Sorcery is a narrative add-on. Like, it... it but that would be the... It can be... Yeah, no, but I was just going to say, you can use elements of this in match play, but I think just recognising and just saying, like, this is not necessarily built for balance. Like, and I just think that would help, because anyone that's saying, oh, we should just play it straight out of the book, this is how the full competitive match play experience was designed, I don't think that's... Mm. I don't think that's true. I think if, if tournaments were doing it and you started seeing... System mastery, Chris. Yeah. System mastery, except system mastery truly encourage. Okay, we'll talk about this. The reason I think system mastery, to be honest, or their argument for system mastery is, quite frankly, bullshit, is because the game they encourage is that at the start of the game, both players explain. You sit down and you explain to your opponent exactly what your army does and what everything can do because that's like being a good sport and having a good game and not having gotcha moments and so that people enjoy the game because you're both going into it with equal knowledge essentially of or at least knowledge of what your opponent's army does if you actually were talking about a game where system mastery exists 
you wouldn't do that at all. The whole point is you prepare and you have to know what everything does, and the person that just knows what their opponent's army does anyway without needing to be told and walked through and handed a cheat sheet and had a 10-minute explanation at the start of the game, that's actually system mastery, and that person should be expected to do better because they have a basic... They have a stronger understanding of the system and of their opponent's army. They are more of a master of the system. But that would encourage extremely negative gameplay, and every game would be got your moments, essentially, where people are winning because they don't know what their opponent's army does and their opponent didn't tell them. So I don't for a second believe that that's the game that they want people to be playing at all, which is why I don't buy into the system mastery argument it at all. It seemed like spin to me. Of like it was definitely don't, spin. <laughs> don't, people don't like the roles we've written. We could admit that and be like, okay, my bad. And that's but, what I'm saying. I kind of do wish, <laughs> I do wish they just said, look, these were written with more of a narrative intent. But, yeah, they could have spun it that way, really, because I don't think they were. I think, they were I think that, the but. issue is, is everyone has always said, as soon as they GW say this is narrative, immediately everybody that does player packs goes, these will not be in play because they're not intended for match play, which I understand, because then that impacts how many people are going to jump on board and buy malign sorcery and get on board with all of that stuff, which... I think would be a shame because I think what they've written is really cool. Like in terms of the realms and fleshing them out and all of the extra stuff they can do. Like a great idea for execution is how I look at it. It's, yes, it's an amazing idea. It, it does convolute the game to a certain degree. I think the... And I just think they just need to come out and say that and say, look, you probably don't want to use everything. What I would actually love for them to do in how... And I, I wouldn't put it past them, to be fair, at some point in the future to do this, with how they've realised, oh, actually tournaments are getting bigger and they need more than just the main mission, so we... And people are using secondaries, maybe we should add some in and use these as a guide. I still don't want every tournament to just use the same ones because I like diversity. Yes, but at the same time, I think it's a good step that they're taking to say, OK, here's these extra things to help spread out people in a match play event. I just think they could go, okay, these are the malign sorcery rules, and then here's some official matched play versions of them that they tone down a bit, and then that way you've still got the rules and you can go, oh, well, this spell that normally teleports a unit or whatever is the full effect. Maybe the match play version does something else, or it just isn't in there and it's a D3 table. Like, maybe they just take a table of three of the six spells for every realm, and they just, they seriously take some time to sit down and rewrite those narrative elements and make them more balanced for match play, and then that way I just think we'd avoid this whole, oh, can we use them, can we not, because I, I, get, I get it, they're a company, they want to sell their product and their thing that they've developed, and I think it's a really cool thing that they've developed, and I know that there, there will be pushback from the competitive scene for something that is pitched as this is narrative. Because it always has done, and it always will. And I think there's a reason for that, because at the end of the day, narrative doesn't really sit alongside full competitive balance. I thought they'd that from Firestorm, but I don't think they did. So. Um, it doesn't sit alongside full competitive balance. And I think they just need to acknowledge that and go, we get that, so we still want some element of malign sorcery and all this stuff we've developed to get used so that it doesn't sit in a bin and never get bought or played or anything, but we do acknowledge that it isn't the most balanced thing competitively. I agree with most of what you said. This is a bit where I would divulge from you. I do want them to come out and say that. I think it would be more helpful if they just kind of acknowledge that this is a narrative-driven theme that you can use in play or not, it's up to you, blah, 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 but kind of 
took a little bit more ownership of it. I don't want them writing secondaries and I don't want them writing tiebreakers and here's why. I don't trust them to be competent enough to do it well. And that, like I said, I don't want repeat tournaments where everything's exactly the same, but I actually think the competitive scenes have kind of done a really good job of figuring that out for themselves. It has been a bit of a drama, I think, all of this stuff, but I don't trust them to be objective. I think they're more interested in other things than the balance of the game. I don't think the game is balanced. I think the fact that you look at the Beastman book they just released, Battletoads and Gores, with the changes they've made in there, it's like their interest is not in the game being balanced, and I don't think they want the game to be balanced. Um, I don't have the confidence in them to not mess it up. Um, I think they're trying to sell their newest army, which is fine, but let us deal with the competitive side of it ourselves. I think we've kind of done that, so but out is probably what I would um, want them to do. Yes and no. I, I completely agree. They are a company, number one, and I've said this on Twitter recently. I think the game is quite un- anybody, intentionally unbalanced. Anybody, I think the new army is supposed to win. So. Yeah, I think anybody that argues that they're a rules company first, no, they're a models company first, and they will always intentionally, no matter how much faith you have in Games Workshop, and I don't begrudge them this at all because I want them to do well and I want them to sell more models because at the end of the day it means if the company's successful... Oh, that's fine. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying bad out of match play when it comes to us doing our own tiebreakers. That's all fine. Oh, yeah. Do that yourself. I don't think, but... I don't think buy out. I think go, here's some, but I just don't want people to think that they're gospel. I want TOs to always know that they can do their own thing and I don't ever want a world where yeah, we're kind of saying the same we thing, are just really. playing exactly the same. I do think it's good for GW to set direction because... Some direction, at the end but of the day, if they come out saying these are your tiebreakers, these are how you differentiate yeah. results, then we're all going to start doing that, and then it's not fun, and I just don't think they yeah. do a very good job. But I mean, but, at the end of the day, yeah. it's a game that is developed by them. So I, d- I don't, I'm not going to go as far as saying butt out of match play, leave it to TOs, because actually we start heading towards ninth age in that conversation. Right, they, but out beyond what they're doing at the moment, these yeah. are your points, these are your rules, go ahead. I don't want them setting tiebreakers, I don't want them setting secondaries, I don't want them doing that stuff. Yeah. That's what I mean by butt out. I want them to go, these are your rules, and you can figure it out yourself. But yeah. this is the game fundamentally as it is, and then you can pick and choose, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't want them saying in very direct, specific black and white terms, this is exactly how you do everything. I don't want that type of direction from them. Yeah. That's what I mean by it. But, yeah. um, I would like them, though, because... At the end of the day, it is hard to just go, oh, it's on TOs, because a lot of people were well, organising... Yeah. But also, now that we're heading finally more and more towards a global community as well, where people are like travelling to another country to play in a tournament and stuff, is starting to become more common. And, and you should be able to go on a holiday and actually be able to just play someone in a local game. I kind of don't want like Australia to be playing a game that's actually quite different to like say how a game would be played in the UK and so that's what I don't I, think we do that's... what I mean is like I'm talking about secondaries I'm not yeah, talking okay. about how the game itself okay. plays I'm talking about how you tie break I'm talking about secondary objectives okay. I'm talking about things like that that's where I yeah. wanted to not get involved I just mean in the actual game of... itself is the same yeah. regardless of where you go yeah so. I just mean like the malign sorcery stuff where I'd like them to have some direction in terms of if people want to include it in match play like this is where it goes do you know what I mean? Because otherwise you will play a game and at the moment, as it stands, Malign Sorcery is, well, they've said it is part of match play. So actually, if I just went to an event in, I don't know, Norway and I went and played a game in a tournament, like obviously I would read the pack and everything before, but just saying I didn't and I went in and I just played a game, would I expect to be playing full Realm Rules because GW have said, well, yeah, these are for match play. So actually, technically, if you're going by the book... That is the game, or is the norm? No, it is an add-on. So actually, your normal expectation would be you don't use them unless you both agreed, 
or like I do, I just want to get to. A, uh, yeah, I, I just want to get to a point where there Thankfully, is. Thankfully, they've been quite universally dismissed as a terrible idea. So I, I people just, don't. But, um, but yeah, I know what you mean. You don't want to go somewhere else, and it'd be entirely different. From Games Workshop's point, I want to try yeah. and get to a point where universally there is an agreed upon match play where if malign sorcery is included upon it there are no qualms of oh for god's sake you only include artifacts because everything else is stupid or no you don't include artifacts and not everything else like i'd like to get to a point where actually you could play in the realms you are always rolling for a realm but you know that you will be playing with one of these three realmscape features this command ability and these, this one spell. This one spell. Yes, and, I would like that too. And that is it. And that that's, is, what he, that's all I want from And him. that that's is the it. GW official, and everyone just goes, sweet, can get on board with that. Nothing here is broken. Nothing impacts the game that heavily. But if people want to have that narrative addition into a match play game, they can. And you roll in the round, and you don't roll off and someone pick one. Because yes. that's also one of the stupidest things I've written. Yes. So, um, so yeah. Um, anyway. Yes, I, I agree with you. And to be honest, I think that's the way forward I will be trying to go. And I think Anthony, that's essentially what he's done. He's gone a good way to oh, doing he's it. Yeah. He's done a good way to doing it. The only problem is with some of the endless spells, etc., how they're written, there are certain realms at the moment where you just can't do it. Because as you say, it's on the portals war scroll where you get unlimited range. So and then they would need to tweak the portal. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So that's why there's issues, and that's why I would like it to come from Games Workshop. And I think, if I'm honest, it has to come from Games Workshop. Oh, it does, yeah. Because otherwise sure. the comp is too heavy. So I just want them to realise that people do probably want to play with Malign Sorcery, but you've got to realise... You did such a shit job. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to realise that the Malign Sorcery you've given them is full narrative. It's, flawed, yeah. it's a full narrative add-on. You've got to tone it back for competitive match play. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Not that they will be, but if anyone's listening at GW, we do like what you're doing, just realise that there is, a, there is a difference between narrative and match play, and people would like to be able to add these things in, but it has to be as balanced as possible. You can't have a spell like Banishment or Limit Range for the entire game to six inches. Like, it isn't balanced across the armies. If you are listening, GW, Chris likes you more than I do. <laughs> because I'm still pissed that you took the need that someone was doing well with Skaven in Australia that's nerfed the shit out of them. I don't. Not having that, I don't we? think that was a direct <laughs> response to you. Honestly, I definitely think it was. There's very obscure, minimal things that I said that only I do that got FAQ'd in that. I understood them FAQ'd in the Death Runner, but the rest of them, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to you personally from Dan, he's not Go a bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to leave that in or take it out. I think you should leave it in. Okay. I'm not sorry. Anyway, I think we're uh, in danger of getting onto a, a bit of a rant here, so we will call it there. It had to be said. It, I think it's a healthy discussion to have anyway, and yeah, I hope that it's a point we can get to, because I like them, but I want them to be not crazy impactful. One last thing to add, what I liked what Anthony did, is his scenarios weren't all from the newest six. Mm -hmm. They were from the first two editions as well. Yeah. Although he did pick three pairs of the Arcane Power, which I don't like. But other than that, good choices. Because I've got one hero and it scores. I have two heroes. <laughs> you can't not like a scenario because it doesn't favour your army. It's because it doesn't favour a lot of armies. Dispossessed players love it, don't they? They get one formation, which gives them their allegiance abilities anyway, so you never take it. So they get one artifact and they don't have any wizards. It's not uh, allying in their Stormcast yeah, wizards. which is their choice not to, is all I will say. Or maybe they think Stormcast are lame because they are. But that's, <laughs> that's what the answer will always be, is any army has the ability to put them in. That's the Ben Johnson answer, just get some Stormcast. No, but any army has the option to put them in, so personally... <laughs> what, what if you think Stormcast suck? Personally, well then make Dwarf Stormcast. Dwarfcast. 
which is what Dan's done. So, Beauty yeah. Cursed. All I'm saying is... Well, I he did, didn't take his beard, his beard to that event because it had relocation orb and um, places of vacuum power. Because the Stormcast he puts in his army is a prime who doesn't score. Yeah, but that's his choice again. Yes. Could take an encounter and a comet, which is by far the strongest thing to do in any order army. But, um, yeah. So, anyway, yes, that was fun. And we will, yeah, call it there. So, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you on the next show. Bye. Shout loud.